Greetings, listeners. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of this freaky show. The freaky podcast with a little bit of something and a whole lot of nothing. I am your host, Travesty. And alongside me this evening, Awkward Colin. And the Freak Joe. And ladies and gentlemen, we are here once again to celebrate week two of this Halloween celebration. Hi, how's everyone doing tonight? <laughs> All right, doing good. That's good. That's good to hear. I'm glad. Uh, quick reminder to everyone, uh, during the entire month of October, we are celebrating uh, Halloween, uh, everything ghoul and gruesome, if you will. Um, so uh, if you want to get in contact with us and talk to us, uh, get interactive with the show, use the hashtag FreakySayin16 on Twitter. Uh, share your... Um, Show your Halloween stories, your favorite costumes, uh, stuff like that. Um, it's always exciting yeah. to hear from our listeners. Uh, Joey, how's everything going with you? It's good. It's good. I would like uh, more listeners to send me stories, though. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would love gotta, for that to happen. I've gotten a grand total of none. <laughs> I think what it is, I think people are a little nervous about uh, about saying in their works, thinking that people are going to judge them on it. Well, you know, just for them today, I have picked out a, a story from Irish folklore with a lot of words I can't even pronounce. <laughs> so if I'm a total embarrassment to myself on our podcast, they should feel absolutely no embarrassment sending me their stories. <laughs> Put yourself out there, folks. It'll, you'll be rewarded for it. That's good. Con, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Anything new and exciting in your life? Uh, no, just, uh, have vacation coming up, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, flying off to, uh... Washington. There you go. Not D.C., not that shithole. No, no, the good one. <laughs> the one on the other the, side of the country. The good one with the sparkling vampires and the coffee. Exactly. <laughs> I love me some Edward. <laughs> Oh, you're Team Edward? <laughs> I don't have a team, Joe. I'm Team Billy Black. I'm Team Jacob. Ooh, Billy Black. Good call. I know, right? I love me some Billy Black. <clears throat> Who's crazy. Billy Black? He's, uh, uh it's not, um... He's, uh, I believe he's Jacob Black's either father or grandfather. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I don't think it's his father, but, yeah, it might be a grandfather. I honestly don't remember which. I know. If you, if the listeners know, if the listeners know, use hashtag oh, Freaky Saiyan. Yeah, Freaky Saiyan 16. Let us know who Billy Black was in uh, Twilight. And don't act like you don't guys listen to Twilight. Everyone listens to fucking Twilight or watch Gil Twilight. Gil Birmingham. Oh. Nifty, nifty, nifty. Well, listeners, uh, just like last week, and just like for the two weeks coming ahead of here, um, Joey, like he mentioned, will be reading a story at the end of our episode for us. So I'm so excited for that because it makes me talk a lot less. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and we actually have a uh, we have another guest uh, from the past coming on to uh, share with us um, some of uh, 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 his ah uh, uh, fucking accomplishments. What's the word? No, no, no. I'm trying to think of a fucking like awesome word for. His, like, creation. Like, what's a good word? I am uh, actually at a loss of words for once. I know, right? Anyways, uh, we have CJ uh, from 
Rebirth of the Gangster come back on to talk about, talk to us about his new installment or his next installment of his series. So I'm really excited for that. And we're going to have him coming on uh, here real quick. Uh, before we do that, I just want everyone to know, and I want to share this with everyone because um, I feel like we're like a family here at uh, this freaky show, this freaking show, however you want to call it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've been doing this now for almost a year. And one of the enjoyments that we have uh, from doing this is that we um, develop so many friendships, which has been great uh, with Fear and Clint. Um, the You Again podcast, uh, Zombie with a Shotgun, uh, CJ from uh, Rebirth of Gangster and everything. Um, I would have to say that the person that I put on the top of that list is uh, uh, the awesome owner from the amazing Fire Pit Bar and Grill of Town. Woo! <laughs> Where you get burger and beer every Monday and Wednesday for just six ninety nine, or if you're a morning person and you need something to get that hangover over from the Friday night that you went out and got fucked up, go get some breakfast at Fire Pit Bar and Grill from six or sorry at seven to eleven a.m. Now they got amazing skillets and omelets and pancakes that will just make you wake up in excitement. Plus they got fucking biscuits and gravy. Everyone loves biscuits and gravy. And if somebody says biscuits and gravy is not good, stop talking to them because you don't deserve the kind of negativity in your life. Hey, I don't think biscuits and gravy are good. Because you're the kind of person that develops negativity in people's lives. Well, okay. I'm <laughs> no, sure that's what do, it means. <laughs> we do got to admit that that primetime skillet is probably one of the best things. Oh, God, yeah. Right? That was a good fucking skillet. Joey, you need to get that next time you're in. You need to. Next time you come in, let me know. You, me, Colin. Uh, you can bring Maddie. That's okay. I'm not going to judge. Yeah. No, hey, it's a, it's a party for all. Everyone's invited. I'll go get some fucking skillets, and it'll be epic. It'll be awesome. It'll be amazing because everything at Firefly Barn Grill is amazing, from the burgers to the briskets to the pancakes. Everything is so goddamn good there. And you can find them at Facebook at Fire Pit Bar and Grill or the website at firepitbar.com. Anyways, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it is that time now where we are going to bring on CJ to discuss with us his uh his installment to his new uh comic book series cj thank you again for joining us on this freaky show thanks again for having me guys i've had a blast with the other uh two times and i'm excited for this third time good yeah absolutely man yeah so just uh just real quick to kind of refresh everyone's memory uh you want to give them an idea of uh who you are and what you do sure um so uh my name uh, my, i'm cj sandal a self-published author of uh, rebirth of the gangster um, it's kind of a thriller noir series uh, that's been, there have been three issues so far released. The fourth one should be coming out uh, in the week of uh, November here. Um, and uh, so, and so, yeah, again, uh, I've had that coming out. I work with the great Juan Romero, who's the artist for the, all three issues. He's kind of, he's just doing his best to make me look good. Um, and the issue, the series itself is essentially about these two guys, Marcus and Hunter, who, um, through some shady connections in the past that we don't know yet as readers, of course I do as a writer, um, but they're connected to in, through some some things, uh, including some sort of uh, death in the family, um, and so they're kind of slowly kind of figuring that out while uh, Hunter knows a little more, and he's kind of uh, creating this plan to get some sort of revenge, um, and kind of while that's going on, um, Detective Lorena Sanchez has kind of been coming in the mix, especially the third issue, which heavily focused on her, and so she's going to kind of... Um, come in and kind of start circling in on them um, uh, as, as they're kind of both kind of de- descending into these criminal acts. Um, 
Hunter, who's been kind of part of a criminal activist for a lot longer, is kind of sucking Marcus into these criminal acts as part of some big plan that, again, the reader doesn't know, but uh, of course I do at this point. Um, so that's kind of what's going on. Um, I had a Kickstarter for the second issue, which was super successful and was I was super appreciative for it, so I've just been kind of on the schedule of uh, releasing one every two two months ever since, ever since that, uh, because I also teach uh, high school English, so I do have to kind of juggle uh, a little bit of a different pace than maybe some other comic writers. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I, I love this new issue, um, at least as much as the other two, maybe even more. Thank you. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's my best yet, but yeah, that's maybe bias <laughs> talking. Yeah, yeah. So I loved, I, I loved the, uh, you're layering complexity on, um, and I'm a really big fan of that, because, um, you know, in the first one, it focused a lot more on just Marcus, and then in the second one, we, we got introduced to Hunter, and you kind of went back and forth between Hunter's past and present, and a little bit of Marcus, and then in this most recent one, we've got an uh, introduction to Lorena. Lorena? Lorena? I'm really bad. Uh, Lorena. Lorena, yeah. Lorena. Lorena. Um. Um, and, and then you also had the Hunter and Marcus stuff, um, as well as the back and forth between the past and present. Um, I'm really digging it. Yeah, thank you. And I, I do appreciate your saying, yeah, I'm layering complexity on. And that's definitely uh, something that's going to kind of continue as we go forth. I'm not going to keep adding characters endlessly, though, but... There are a couple more characters that will be the focus. So, for instance, the fourth issue is going to focus on Marcus's mom and some of her past um, because some action she's doing in the present and in the past, of course, will heavily influence all three of those characters <coughs> you mentioned, Marcus, Hunter, and Elena. So there will be kind of, I guess it's layer on complexity, not necessarily in adding new characters. It's just adding more background to the characters who have existed beforehand. And so, yeah, I really appreciate uh, the kind words, and I think you're hitting the nail right on the head with uh, talking about kind of how each issue's evolved and kind of added those layers. So, yeah, thank you for noticing that. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm glad that I'm on to something, because some, a lot of times <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, I know how that feels, too, especially after, uh, for me, long days of teaching, and I start to question my own sanity mm-hmm. sometimes. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so I'm you the mentioned person the, uh... who can never follow anything, so... Oh. <laughs> Well, hopefully you're still following mine, but yeah, I get yeah. it too. We all, we all, and sometimes maybe I know I've had to reread some things too. So we all have, yeah, <laughs> things are strong in, and sometimes we need, yeah, things pointed out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think, you mentioned that there's a grand scheme going on between Hunter and Marcus and some other criminal people we haven't really met a whole lot yet. Yes, um, there is. Uh, what I'm curious is I don't necessarily want to spoil anything. Sure, but, yeah, uh, I get it. Will we find out going forward whether or not Hunter was waiting on that corner for Marcus to show up? Yes, you'll definitely find that out. Um, that that you'll find out pretty quickly. Um, I would say the the biggest reveal so far of the like of what connects them in the past is actually going to happen in the sixth issue, which is the the culmination of the first story arc. Um, a little bit more will be revealed after that, but that's where there's going to be something very powerful revealed. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about that scene because it's not just going to be a scene to reveal that situation. There's actually going to be some other, some like violence and some some cool, I guess, entertainment that in that sense um, that's going to kind of go hand in hand with revealing some of the stuff in the background um, from the past. So yes, you'll you'll get slowly things get teased out or you'll get some answers more and more. And yeah, uh, you will find out whether 
Uh, Hunter was waiting for Marcus or not on that corner pretty quickly. Um, and then kind of the biggest thing, like I said so far, um, the big thing that's setting Hunter off, um, we'll, we'll hear about it at the end of this first story arc on the sixth issue, um, although we will, we'll get some more details as we go um, past that first story arc. Gotcha. What would you yeah, say? No, Do you think he's waiting there for him? Do you think Hunter's waiting there? Seems heavily coincidental, right? <laughs> it does. It does seem too coincidental. I think he was waiting there, but I don't. Yes. I'm not 100 percent positive because it. It was so. If he was waiting there, I almost feel like that that other guy waiting in to mug, Marcus, uh, uh, must have been in on it, you know. Yes, I'm. I'm not going to reveal anything specifically, but you might be onto something there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like they're either working together or that was one hell of a coincidence is all I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I, I, there might be some story coincidences just because of we all know like the plot coincidences that can happen. But I think that might be too big of a coincidence to really be just a coincidence. So I think you're on to something, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what I suspected, but all right. I'm trying to think. There was other questions I had about this, uh, this issue. Um Oh no! I just I I wanted to touch on um, there was one heck of a uh, uh, a plot event that happened um, in the previous issue with when we were introduced to Hunter. We found out that one of his main motivations was his mom. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, something with her changes pretty significantly, and so I'm curious to see going forward how that affects Hunter's motivation. So um, we definitely will uh, see kind of the outcome of that, that the, like the one-page scene you're talking about that was just, yeah, wordless, just some images that, uh, yeah, revealed something kind of bigger going on with his mom. Um, and, yeah, well, that'll kind of be, um, I think it's something like page seven or something like that. It's pretty early on in the, the next uh, issue, which I've scripted 17 of the, like, 20, 21 pages, so I'm pretty close to being done. I know the next, the last couple scenes, uh, I know what's going to happen in them. I just need to script them. Um, and Juan, uh, Juan Romero has been illustrating, um, he's pretty much caught up to me. So I kind of got a little fire lit under, under my butt to get things going. But yeah, we're going to see that, that there's going to be a new stage, I guess, in that kind of like Hunter and uh, his mom's relationship, Linda, um, and kind of that motivation for this whole series. Yeah. Or at least Hunter's motivation for this whole series right. is going to be, we're going to start seeing some more complexity in there as with that too. Yep. Gotcha. Um, I can't remember what page it's on. But there's a there's a scene there's a one of the the I don't boxes is that the right word frames yeah uh, shows so. um, Detective Lorena she's going out to the police I assume she's a detective she is yeah uh, um, and she's I, I mean I haven't quite explicitly stated it but she's part of the robbery and homicide division which um, is maybe not I mean normally we see them separated in uh, literature or TV shows as just like a homicide or robbery division but I do know that. Um, and I'm trying to think of, I read this, some, some sort of nonfiction book about um, uh, like East L.A. or something like that, um, how the, the, there were homicide divisions working in there. And they do talk about how there are some, some detectives who are specifically in this robbery homicide division, which is kind of seen as like the elite of the elite go there. Um, and that's kind of one thing that I haven't yeah, explicitly stated, but because she's a part of that, she's, I think, kind of the uh, assumption, especially with the first interrogation scene we see um, a little bit of, is that she's really, really good at her job, and she's, yeah, the elite of the elite. Uh, she's part of this special division, so that's kind of... Right, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's, she's definitely... People talk to her like she's Harry Bosch, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, um, 
Definitely on purpose. <laughs> uh, and and she's dressed kind of like Misty Knight from Luke Cage. So I, yes, I she is. <laughs> yep. I'm still about halfway through Luke Cage, so if you wouldn't mind not not spoiling something. Oh, not at me, all. Not at all. I'll just tell you how I love <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I really she thought actually, it was good. Thank you. Yeah, and actually, I started watching that. Um, the Luke Cage a couple of days ago, actually on Friday is when I started. I was a little slower on the uptake um, because I know it was released before that. But yeah, it's funny you mentioned that connection because as I was seeing Misty Knight, the more and more that I see her in that show, the more and more I'm like, wow, she's pretty similar to Lorena and this kind of vibe I'm going for with Lorena. Um, so it's it's kind of just a weird coincidence. I think the, the bigger influence on Lorena's character um, at least, like, as far as like, a homicide, robbery, homicide detective goes, is I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen The Wire, but uh, Detective Kima on The Wire, she's kind of the inspiration, heavily the inspiration for um, for Lorena, although, of course, there are some more, like, I guess, cultural influences that don't connect to Kima because Kima's, um, like, uh, I think, supposed to be, uh, she's like an African-American, Asian kind of um, uh, right. heritage so there's definitely some different cultural things but that kind of persona is definitely more like Kima which coincidentally or not connects to what we see in Luke Cage with Misty Knight yeah gotcha cool but there was there was one one scene she's going into the parking garage and she's talking to who I assume is her significant other and who yep. for some reason I've got a vibe that it's a woman it is yep and so we I, I didn't want to hold that yet or if it's just something that it feels that way <laughs> Um, if there should have been, if I remember correctly, and obviously I should, but there should have been um, on the cell phone it said Anne, um, the name of her significant other. So, yeah, she is, I mean, that is, she, yes, definitely she's homosexual and she's a lesbian. And I was trying to kind of work that in without making it super obvious, without making it like a super big point. Um, but, yeah, it was right. maybe more subtle because of that. Um, and if people didn't catch up on it, they're definitely going to see something more about that, their relationship in the fourth issue, definitely. That's good, too. But there was one particular frame I'm thinking of, and and I don't know if this was what made me think of it, uh, like what maybe maybe made it stand out in my mind, but there's, uh, I don't know if, it, and I also don't know if it was something that you decided or if Juan decided yeah, it, yeah. but there's that one officer who looked at her with, like, the big grin on his face and the hands on either side of his head. Um. So I think uh, I just, the, the, I about that. <laughs> the very specific uh, gesture that the other officer is making, um, I kind of did a general description for Juan, but he did it. He made it specific. Uh, my more the more specific direction I gave um, on that page you're talking to is when she's kind of making like the fake gun with her fingers pointing it at herself to kind of show that she's n- not digging the conversation at least at that mm-hmm. very moment um, because she's out, got, about to be going out on a case and kind of the the. Um, one of the big issues we're supposed to at least start seeing is that she's very dedicated to her job, almost maybe too dedicated to the detriment of relationships like these. Um, and so I did want, I think, I, I don't remember the specific direction, but I know I said something general about the, the other cop in the parking garage with her. Um, but I think, yeah, Juan did what he always did and made it even better, made it more specific, more of a, uh, yeah, something we can explicitly see and react to. Gotcha. Yeah, the, the the sense that she's definitely more dedicated to her job than her home life was definitely came through, and so I just awesome. I wondered if it was just maybe he was reacting to her being a hard ass, like he was being a silly cop kind of person. Yeah, or, it's more that. Yeah, gotcha. That was gotcha. more the the intent I had. Yeah, although yeah, sort of I like mean, a, oh, you talking to your honey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm kind of joking around. Yep. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, that was yeah. I think I might have said like he's joking around with his facial expressions or something like that. That might have been like the the script uh, detail I gave. But yeah, it was 
amplified by what Juan does and does so well. Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. she. Uh, she in return does like a gun to her head. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, they're talking. Yeah, she does, and that's again. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So it's just like, um, they're just doing that whole play thing because they work together. It looks, feels like. Yeah, and I mean, not that I'm a cop, but I do know um, from at least like the wire a lot of the more cop shows homicide the ones that i see is a little more realistic they do talk a lot about how like they almost have that like dark gallows humor and um in order to i guess cope with some of this stuff they, oh yeah you gotta have a sense they of use, humor. yeah you have that sense of humor and i mean i know i think we do that at least uh, as a teacher as we do that when we're dealing with super um, intense events um and yeah we just you gotta laugh to avoid crying right and so i think that sometimes it's that idea um, yeah, coping in. So yeah, that's another smart pickup. Yeah, totally. That's fantastic, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I am too, man. Uh, I really appreciate the enthusiasm, and yeah, it's just it's definitely been helping me come back to each new issue with uh, a little bit more energy, a little bit more dedication. Uh, the first one, obviously, it was I pretty much had no audience, and I just was worried about letting myself down, and now it's kind of come time letting guys like you and my other fans down. I don't want to do that, and so I kind of put in a little more effort uh, to make it more layered, make it more interesting, all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, man. And you said the first week of November is what you're shooting for for your next one? Yes, I am. Um, so I don't, whatever that Wednesday is, I don't have the date off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, it's whatever the Wednesday is is what I'm shooting for. I'm trying to make it the first Wednesday of every two months. Um, so I'll actually quickly look that date up it here. It would be the second. Second. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So like I said, I do have a couple of script pages left to finish, and Juan does have to draw maybe seven more pages or something like that, um, maybe half or ten pages of half the comic. So we might be cutting it a little close, at least in terms of finishing it to get like advanced copies out to reviewers and guys like you. Um, but at least it should be good to get be all released um uh, by the second, if anything changes, of course, on my uh, social media at CJ underscore Standal or on CJStandalProductions.com, I'll post some update. But other than that, yeah, the intent is Wednesday, November 2nd, first weekend of November, then first weekend, or first Wednesday of November, first Wednesday of January, kind of on that, that uh, schedule. Awesome, man. So, and you say this one's going to focus more on the backstory of Marcus's mother. Yes. Um, and so there there aren't actually going to be as many flashbacks to her past it's just more working a little bit of um there will be a little flashbacks to the past at the beginning kind of like we've seen in each uh chapter starts with some flashbacks with some like monologue that kind of or dialogue monologue that's like serves as kind of narration of that character so we'll see that but then actually there won't be any sort of other uh flashbacks um except and it's just going to be more focused on uh, something that happens, there's a pretty big event that happens right in those first pages with her, and that's going to be kind of the follow-up of that event is going to be more the focus for her story. Um, because some of the stuff that's part of her past, I don't want to reveal too much yet, because it actually does connect uh, to Hunter and like his motivation. So I don't want to ruin too much of it, if that right, makes sense. Right, of course, of course. So, and this is still in part of the, the Meet the Family arc, right? Yep, yeah, so the first story arc, yep, is Meet the Family, and that's partly why... We have, uh, like, a different character as kind of the focus of each uh, issue. Um, that might, that'll might continue a little bit past the story arc, but it's not going to be quite that, that structured of every issue is something. Uh, one person's the focus. Um, I think we'll start to see 
as the, in the, the later story arcs, more juggling of characters and more characters being the main focus, uh, multiple characters being the main focus of issues. But since we're meeting the family, so to speak, uh, meeting the characters, I did want to really have a, a solid uh, basis for each character so that when we start to see how they interact and all that stuff later, um, there's, I guess, greater resonance, greater uh, understanding of their motivations and all that stuff. Awesome. That's fantastic. There's nothing I love more than getting into characters' motivations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think, I've had many conversations with friends, and we've always said if, if you've got the characters very well solidified, the story, the audience is going to follow, and the story is just going to kind of come naturally from the, the specificity and complexity of those characters and the power of those characters. So that was kind of my focus of, um, even though I do think there, it's, there is definitely a heavy plot and suspense in all these sorts of, uh, I guess, um, sneak peeks into the past connections. At the end of the day, the characters should be the reason we're reading the story, um, the reason we're, we're relating, that we view it as like a human story and not just um, the work of this one geeky, bearded, glassed guy who teaches English <laughs> at high school. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Yeah, you know, and I really love the... Uh, um trying to think of what, what, I, what I want to call it. Oh, the connection. Yeah, you, you were just talking about the connection. Um, I love the connections that we're finding between the people in the past. Um, yep. You know, like like Hunter and Lorena sort of being in detention together, sort of, so to speak. Um, yeah, exactly. And um, to be honest, that scene itself was not in my original plan for this issue, but it did. It was just again like kind of that again of that idea of plot comes naturally out of characters and, and uh, their relationships and complexities. That was something that just naturally came out. Of uh, when I was planning the, the outlining the third issue in a little more detail than I had beforehand, it just seemed to make sense as something that would not just be also interesting, but really serve to develop these character characters in the story more. So yeah, thanks for noticing that. That's I'm glad I added it then. <laughs> yeah, man, I I loved it. It was really great. Um, you know, like like I try to when I'm reading a comic book, I try to picture it uh, cinematically, like how would it work on film or on a TV show, and. Um, you know, that scene is something that almost felt like it was out of the Breakfast Club, you know. Oh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm really glad you added it. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's a good reference. That's definitely kind of the feel it is there of, yeah, the, the troubled kids coming to a little bit of a connection to each other at the very least. Um, yeah, in this, yeah, it's detention, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, so, yeah, that's really, yeah, thanks for noticing that. And, I, yeah, I'm proud of it, definitely. Um, and, yeah, that's something that hopefully we see continue to see happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well... Um, would you like to tell your listeners where they can find you? Yeah, so again, on uh, Facebook, you can just look up CJ Standal. Standal is S-T-A-N-D-A-L. Um, I'm also on Twitter at CJ underscore Standal. And then my uh, <laughs> website, website is CJStandalProductions.com. So those are my main modes. I do also have like an Instagram account that's CJ Standal, but I'll be honest that I haven't posted anything on that probably since before our even last conversation. So, yeah, Twitter is my main vehicle of uh, communication followed kind of by Facebook and my website. Um, but, yeah, all uh, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. And, again, Wednesday, November 2nd, look on Amazon for uh, for the, those, the fourth issue. If there are any listeners here who are, like, maybe they've heard about it before but they haven't checked it out, um, you can also buy the bun- uh, bundle packs of, right now, the first three issues. When the fourth issue releases, I'll also release a bundle pack of all f- the first four issues. Um, and the savings for that are 
um, around like thirty percent. So it's that's the best deal, especially for somebody who's not not caught up on the story and wants to kind of read it all at once. Which, even though I think it's exciting in these installments, I do think it achieves kind of some greater depth and resonance when it's all read together. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's the kind of thing that you can read more than once and get more out of every time. So. Yeah, that's what I was aiming for. I would like to think that it's. You can get things and understand the the big picture and all that stuff on the first try, but some of those the details that funnel into that big picture that make it a little more complex, yeah, that stuff you get pick you pick up on like multiple re- readings. And I think I've mentioned before on this show that uh, Hundred Bullets is one of my big influences on this comic. Um, I have, of course, like TV shows and other influences, but as far as comics go, that's probably my biggest influence. Um, and part of the reason it's an influence is that it is similar and that it's teasing out these small pieces that when you reread, you start picking up more um, more of those details and see, like, the chain of events and, re- uh, uh, yeah, the cause and effects and all that stuff. So, yeah. That's right, totally absolutely. Awesome. And, and honestly, even, even if there weren't tiny bits in the story that you could go back and catch again, um, Juan does such an amazing job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's part of me. <laughs> you, could, you could stare at frames individual frames for hours and not catch oh, everything. Yeah, you definitely could. And there's a part of me, the the little hater inside me that's a little jealous when I read reviews and he gets all this glowing reviews and attention and I'm like, oh I wanted to just focus on me because I sometimes am selfish that way. I know we all have that. But obviously credit where credit's due that the reason that it's even half as good, if not even better than it or half the reason it's good, if not way more than that, is all Juan's um yeah, attention to detail, and he does a, he's really nailing that tone and that vibe with, like, his heavy use of, like, the shading of, of the contrast between the blacks and whites, so he's totally, um, really, we're, like, really, really in sync, and yeah, I completely agree, he, he's just a true artist, um, my own, my biggest fear is just that somebody big up will notice him, how great he is, and pick him up before he, uh, finishes this series with me, because he is that good, definitely. Well, I hope, I hope it never happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or I hope he gets success and gets I picked up. But he you finishes your... this yeah with me. <laughs> oh yeah, that would definitely be the best. <laughs> I wish you all the success in the world as long as you bring CJ with you. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping for. But again, y'all know how harsh the comic community and uh, just the comic business can be, so any success he gets is yeah. I, I love it, and I completely support him in doing whatever yeah, he, he needs to do if he does move on past that. But like I said, it's not happening right now, and I'm holding on to him as long as I can. <laughs> gotcha. So. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks again. Uh, I'll definitely be sure to send out the next issue to you guys when it's done, and I'd love to come back on for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks again for having me. It's a pleasure each time, guys. Yeah, uh, thank same here. And you guys have definitely been the most consistent stuff, supporters. So. Sorry, say that again? I said I love talking about your stuff. Oh, yeah, thank you. I, I also love talking about it and getting a, I mean, I have my girlfriend talk about it or give me feedback and other people, but it also helps to get um, people that don't know me their feedback and kind of see where they're coming from and what they're kind of getting, what they're maybe... Uh, um, adding to it that I didn't necessarily think of, but that is definitely part of it, um, because obviously we know that a work of art isn't complete until it's read and uh, come and yeah, added on to completed um, by people like you. So I really appreciate it, you and all the fans, um, and just yeah, I can't can't wait to keep keep working. 
Yeah, absolutely. Man. Awesome. Oh. CJ, uh, before before you get off, I just have a quick question. Uh, being that yeah. it's Halloween uh, season, uh, the month of October and everything, uh, we're doing we're spending the entire month uh, celebrating it. And that's why I ask you a quick sure, question. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, you have a comment on what your favorite uh, costume was growing up as a kid, or any kind of like funny story you have from Halloween's past? Ooh. Yeah. All right. So, um, as a kid, I mean, probably my favorite comment costume was. My brothers and I would have those, like, the Batman and Superman costumes, and we'd go out there. So, I mean, obviously a comic fan. I'm a big fan of superhero stuff. Um, in college and even post-college, I, I still did a lot of group um, uh, costumes, and I would say the most fun of those was uh, we did, like, the the California Raisins. This might be a little bit of a dated reference. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember them. <laughs> but so we had, like, inflatable... Um, Instruments for everybody. I, of course, being like the diva I am, or the, the center of attention I want to be. I had the microphone, so I was the leader of the group. So, um, we I would I love that costumes just because it was fun. I love going in a group and kind of being part of something big like that. Um, but also, it just was awesome because oh, like <laughs> every like maybe hour or something, we would all look at each other and just without saying a word, we would just start fake busting down, breaking down out a song, and it was just really cool <laughs> just to like to always do that. Um, there might even be some, some YouTube videos that I'm not necessarily going to direct people to, but there are YouTube videos that, that show us breaking it down and maybe looking like the fools or geniuses we are. I don't know. Um, so that's fun. Um, if we're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm interested this year in doing a, uh, I'd like to do a Last Man on Earth uh, costume. I don't know if you guys watched that show at all uh, with Phil Forte. Um, oh, it's incredible. Know. It's incredible. Um, hilarious. Um, just a cool take on uh, that, that like yeah the the virus the kind of post apocalyptic society type thing, um, but yeah what, Will Forte's character because he was he was alone for a while grew, grew out a beard heavily and hair long hair and so that was something I was doing and I was totally trying to get my girlfriend to do that or to be um, part of that costume with me because she's um in the show little mini spoiler married to um uh, and I'm forgetting her name she was Mel on Flight of the Concords Kristen Shaw um, that's her name. And so I was trying to get her to be Kristen Shaw's character and me to be that character, and she's not necessarily having it, or she wasn't having it because I was kind of just trying to tell her that we should do this instead of ask. (laughs) (laughs) Might be my mistake there. I guess love only goes so far, huh? Yes, indeed, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's, uh, kind of what's going on this year um, and probably some of the bigger standout ones for me. Any other questions, guys? Uh, no, no, I just, you know, I, with, with it being Halloween, I just had to get that in there real quick yep. before, uh, oh, yep. before we said our goodbyes and everything. I do appreciate you coming on. It's always a joy yeah. to sit here and talk to, uh, to a, um, <clears throat> oh God, what's the word? How come I can never think of the, the words I want to say? No, um, I, I want to say author, but like another word for author or a writer. Yeah, I guess I, I, we're going to go with writer because I can't yeah. articulate words. Sure. Um, yeah. <clears throat> But well, you know, well, I should, should be able to do that, but I, I can't think of it. <laughs> I, I guess I guess the word I was what I was going for was artist because I'm not even talking about like the illustrations or anything, but it's it's the words that make the story. Um, you know, no, I'm not taking anything away from um, the guy who illustrated the book in any way because what he does is absolutely amazing. But you can't have a story without um, without words without. Yeah. 
Exactly. Without, and, and you, you blow it away every Thank single you. issue. It's absolutely amazing. And it's like, I, it's like I said, the first time I, uh, I talked to you and the second time I talked to you, it's like I've never been a huge comic book guy, but you completely turned that around for me with the, uh, with the releases of these comic books every single time. It's, mm-hmm. it, it blows me away by, awesome. by your skill as, um, as a Thank writer. You. And everything, so it's yeah. That would that would mean a lot to me in any situation. But the fact that I'm still pretty new to this game means a huge amount. So yeah, I really appreciate it. And especially, you're not the only one who said like I normally don't like comics, but I really am digging your comics. So that's cool yeah. to keep hearing that feedback. And, and that's... maybe it's maybe it's the cinematic style I'm kind of looking for that uh, Joe kind of mentioned. I think, um, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but and and the thing too is like I mean like I mean like from issue one it's like this I mean it seems like you know you're you're not new to this it seems like you've been doing this for so long yes. and everything and it, <sighs> the words are perfect it, the stories flow and the stories only flow based on what is said and you I mean like you make it to where like when I'm reading the comic books like I'm using different voices for different characters inside my head as I'm doing it. Oh, that's uh, the best. That's probably the best compliment I've heard tonight. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe the reason that is working so well, even though I'm new, is I am super obsessed with comics. Um, I've have had to actually when I was moving in with my girlfriend, I had to sell some just for space issue reasons. Um, and even when I was selling, I was buying some at half price books. <laughs> so <laughs> she'd look at me and be like, "Come on, really?" Um, but yeah, maybe it's because of that, and being the English teacher, I've of course written some other stuff, kind of creatively, just not comics, and mm-hmm. I've given feedback to a lot of students, and I, I try to tell my students when I tell them to do good feedback, that part of the reason that they should do it is totally selfish, that giving other people good feedback makes you think about stories and writing and all that stuff better, and I, I would say that hopefully that's kind of been the reason, or part of the reason why that it's working so far, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it, and yeah, I'm, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. you're gonna get better and better, even though I'm starting strong. Yeah. Well, one of my, one of my favorite one of my favorite classes in high school was creative writing, and that's because the class gave me an opportunity to express myself through stories and through word and everything. And uh, I have a lot of respect for a lot of English teachers. Uh, I actually uh, I went to school or college. Uh, well, I attempted college. I gave it up because <laughs> you know there's no money in teaching. Uh, nope, not at all. I know that all too unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, when I went, like, my first goal was to be an English teacher. I wanted to do creative writing. I wanted to do poetic forms. I wanted to get kids to use their minds to create stories that they have inside their heads. But by the end of the day, when push comes to shove, the biggest thing you need to, in order to be a teacher is have a, uh, a great, um, uh, a vast knowledge of uh, grammar and punctuation and shit. And when... <laughs> yeah. So, well, get, uh, <laughs> yeah, so when I don't you, have the best knowledge of grammar, but I, I'm pretty good in other areas, yeah. <laughs> well, she's like, that's me. Like, I get to I could read a story. I'm like, this story is awesome. deserves a fucking A. But then all of a sudden, you're like, well, there's not one period in this whole thing. That's the yeah. things I would miss because I would probably dive way too deep into these stories where without punctuation, without grammar, you can't probably, ch- uh, you can't probably educate a child on how to do writing. So right. I think that's what that's that's why I felt my downfall was, and that's where eventually I let my uh, my passion of that going. Uh, once in a while, like you know, I still have ideas and stuff like that. I actually think I do want to start uh, writing something. Um, you know, probably do it sooner rather than later. Which yeah. actually, if I started now, we probably could write it uh, during Joe's Freaky Tales uh, at the end of the show. <laughs> but uh, by the time I get and the story I, done, we'll be I done. think I've uh, maybe mentioned this. I think you've mentioned this in one of our last conversations, and. Uh, in response, I probably said the same thing, but if you ever want to shoot something out for feedback, um, 
send it my way. I yeah, I think you guys have my email. I know at least Joe does. Um, and yeah, definitely send it my way if you're ever looking for some feedback and some uh, kind of yeah, just uh, I guess a perspective of somebody who's done it, who's working pretty well, but maybe would has made some minor mistakes that I would do a little bit differently. So yeah, if you ever want some support in that way or just even reading and then kind of supporting and uh, I guess uh, putting it out there on, on my Twitter and all that stuff, just let me know. Absolutely. You know, the biggest thing I always want to do is be graded again on uh, an assessment. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I'm a tough grader, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I can't stand those smart-ass <laughs> kids that make that curve and shit, you know? It's... Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, never been a fan of curves. You should be. It should be more about how you grew and what you're doing, and that's kind of more what I bring to the table as a teacher. I, I think that's why Joey didn't have a lot of friends in school. <laughs> <laughs> but CJ, thank you again for coming on. It's always a blast, and I can't wait to have you back on when the next uh, the next issue comes out. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, you have a good night, sir. You too, guys. Yeah. Uh, see you later. I said bye. All right. Uh, CJ, it's always a, it's always a joy to have him on. Yeah, you can yeah. find his stuff on Amazon. Just search Rebirth of a uh, Gangster. Yeah, I actually noticed that when I was doing some Amazon shopping with the money I don't have. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> it's my guilty pleasure right there. It's like, why go out and buy stuff when you can just have it delivered to your house? Right. I could do yeah, that with... I shop with no pants on. Right? I just ordered fucking underwear. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. That and uh, multivitamins. But they're mm-hmm. actually... Multivitamins are actually cheaper on fucking Amazon than they are at any store. Anyways, enough about... Uh, Enough about Amazon. We are getting to my favorite segment of the month. We are now going into Joey's Freaky Tales. Joey, take it away. Sure. So this is an old Irish tale my wife drug up for me uh, uh, called Cruacon. Cruacon? Sorry, she's standing right here and making sure I'm saying this right. Cruacon. There it is, Kruakin. Now, with this being an old Irish tale, would you be using an Irish accent? Um, I can try, but uh, the second it gets bad, I'm out of it. Well, c- commit as far as you're willing to go. <laughs> sure. And uh, and, and now I gotta now I gotta like get into it here with a little you know topa Yeah, no, don't go leprechaun on it. <laughs> well, I know, but I, I get into it just sort of. Uh, <laughs> doing it there just throwing you know, out I a start at high end and i come back down <laughs> and then my wife stares at me like you know i need to be not doing this podcast and then all of a sudden i'm british i'm fucking londoner yeah i'm not gonna do it <laughs> i can't keep it steady anymore man i don't practice it as much as i used to hey yeah. how do you spell that title uh c-r-u-a-c-h-c-r-u-a-c-h-a-n C R U A C H A N. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, Shanko. All right, Joey, whenever you're ready, man. All right. Now, as to Kruikan, the home of Idol and May of Maeve, it is on the plain of Magai, it was, in the province of Connaught. And this is the way the plain came by its name. In the time long ago, there was a king whose name was Khan that had the druid power so that when the Sheed themselves came against him, he was able to defend himself with enchantments as good as their own. And one time he went out against them and broke up their houses and carried away their cattle, and then, to hinder them from following after him, he covered the whole province with a deep snow. The Sheed went then to consult with Dalek, the king's brother, that had the druid knowledge even better than himself. 
and is what he told them to do, to kill 300 white cows with red ears, and to spread out their livers on a certain plain. And when they had done this, he made spells on them, and the heat the livers gave out melted the snow over the whole plain and the whole province. And after that, the plain was given the name of Magai, the plain of the livers. Ilo was the son of Ras Ruat, king of Leinster, and Maeve was the daughter of Iachade, king of Ireland. And her brothers were the three fair twins that rose up against their father and fought against him at Drum Criad. And they were beaten in the fight and went back over the Sionan, and they were t- overtaken and their heads were cut off and brought back to their father, and he fretted after them to the end of his life. Seven sons Ilo and Maeve had, and the name of every one of them was Maine. There was Maine Mathramel, like his mother, and Maine Othramel, like his father, and Maine Moepert, the talker, and Maine Milskatath, the honey-worded, and Maine Ando, the quick, and Maine Mingor, the gently dutiful, and Maine Morgor, the very dutiful. Their own people they had, and their own place of living. This was now the appearance of Kruakin, the royal house of Ilul and of Maeve, that some called Kruakin of the poets. There were seven divisions in the house, with couches in them, from the hearth to the wall, a front of bronze to every division, and of red yew with carvings on it. And there were seven strips of bronze from the foundation to the roof of the house. The house was made of oak, and the roof was covered with oak shingles. Sixteen windows with glass there were, and shutters of bronze on them, and a bar of bronze across every shutter. There was a raised place in the middle of the house for Ilo and Maeve, with silver fronts and strips of bronze around it, and four bronze pillars on it, and a silver rod beside it, the way Ilo and Maeve could strike the middle beam and check their people. And outside the royal house was the dun, with the walls about it that were built by Brock, son of Blar, and the great gate, and it is the houses were and it is there the houses were for strangers to be lodged. It is out of that hill a flock of white birds came one time, and everything they touched in all Ireland withered up, until at last the men of Ulster killed them with their slings. And another time enchanted pigs came out of the hill, and in every place they trod, neither corn nor grass nor leaf would sprout before the end of seven years, and no sort of weapon would wound them. But if they were counted in any place, or if the people so much as tried to count them, they would not stop in that place, but they would go on to another. But however often the people of the country tried to count them, no two people could ever make out the one number. And one man would call out, there are three pigs in it, and another, no, but there are seven. And another that it was eleven were in it, or thirteen, and so the count would be lost. One time Maeve and Ilo themselves tried to count them on the plain, but while they were doing it, one of the pigs made a leap over Maeve's chariot, and she in it. Everyone called out, a pig has gone over you, Maeve. It is not, she said. And with that she caught hold of the pig by the shank, but if she did, its skin opened at the head and it made its escape. And it is from that the place was called Mag Makruma, the plain of swine counting. Another time, Frick, son of Edoth, of the men of Connaught, that was son of Bowen's sister, Befin, from the Shid, came to Kruakan. He was the most beautiful of the men of Ireland or of Alban, but his life was not long. It was to ask Findabar, his wife, he came, and before he set out, his people said, Send a message to your mother's people, the way they will send you clothing of the Shid. So he went to Bowen, that was at Meg Bragg, and he brought away fifty blue cloaks with four black ears on each cloak and a brooch of red gold uh, with each, and pale white shirts with looped beasts of gold around them, and fifty silver shields with edges, and a candle of a king's house in the hand of each of the men, knobs of carbuncle under them, and their points of precious stones. 
They used to light up the night as if they were, as if they were the sun's rays. And he had with him seven trumpeters with gold and silver trumpets, with many colored clothing, with golden silken heads of hair, with, gold, with colored cloaks, and three harpers with the appearance of a king on each of them, every harper having the white skin of a deer about him, and a cloak of white linen, and a harp bag of the skins of water dogs. The watchman saw them from the dun when they were coming into the plain of Kurukan. I see a great crowd, he said, coming toward us. Since Ilul was king and Maeve was queen, there never came and there never will come a grander or more beautiful crowd than this one. It is like as if I had my head in a vat of wine with the breeze that goes over them. Then Freke's people let out their hounds, and the hounds found seven deer and seven foxes and seven hares and seven wild boars, and hunted them to Rath Kruikan, and there they were killed on the lawn of the dun. Then Ilul and Maeve got, gave them a welcome, and they were brought into the house, and while food was being made ready, Maeve sat down to play a game of chess with Freke. It was a beautiful chess board they had, all of white bronze, and the chessmen of gold and silver, and a candle of precious stones lighting them. Then Ilul said, Let your harpers play for us while the feast is being made ready. Let them play indeed, said Freke. So the harpers began to play, and it was much that the people of the house did not die with crying and with sadness. And the music they played was the three cries of Uithni. It was with Uithni, the harp of Dagda, that first played those cries the time Bowen's sons were born. The first was a song of sorrow for the hardness of their pains, and the second was a song of smiling and joy for the birth of her sons, and the third was a sleeping song after the birth. And with the music of the harpers and the light that shone from the precious stones in the house, they did not know the night was on them, till at last Maeve started up, and she said, We have done a great deed to keep these young men without food. It is more you think of chess playing than of providing for them, said Ilul. And now let them stop from the music, he said, till the food is given out. Then the food was divided. It was Lothar used to be sitting... Uh, it was Lothar used to be sitting on the floor of the house, dividing the food with his cleaver, and he not eating himself. And from the time he began dividing, food never failed under his hand. After that, Freke was brought into the conversation house, and they asked him what it was he wanted. A visit to yourselves, he said. But he said nothing of Findebear. So they told him he was welcome, and he stopped with them for a while. And every day they went out hunting, and all the people of Connaught used to come and to be looking at them. But all this time, Freke got no chance of speaking with Findebear until one morning at daybreak he went down to the river for washing, and Findebear and her young girls had gone there before him. And he took her hand and said, Stay here and talk with me, for it is for your sake I am come, and would you go away with me secretly? I will not go secretly, she said, for I am the daughter of a king and of a queen. So she went from him then, but she left a ring to remember her by. It was a ring her mother had given her. Then Freke went to the conversation house to Ilo and to Maeve. Will you give your daughter to me, he said. We will give her if you will give the marriage portion we ask, said Ilo, and that is sixty black gray horses with golden bits, and twelve milk cows, and a white red-eared calf with each of them. And you come to us uh, with all your strength and all your musicians at whatever time we go to war in Ulster. I swear by my shield and my sword, I will not give that for Maeve herself, he said, and he went away out of the house. But Ilul had taken notice of Findebear's ring with Freke, and he said to Maeve, If he brings her daughter away with him, we will lose the help of many of the kings of Ireland. Let us go after him and make an end of him before he has time to harm us. That would be a pity, said Maeve, and it would be a reproach on us. It will be no reproach on us the way I will manage it, said he. 
and Maeve agreed to it, for there was vexation on her that it was Findebear that Frake wanted, and not herself. So they went into the palace, and Ilo said, Let us go and see the hounds hunting until midday. So they did so, and at midday they were tired, and they all went to bathe in the river. And Frake was swimming in the river, and Ilo said to him, Do not come back till you bring me a branch of the rowan tree there beyond, with the beautiful berries. For he knew there was a prophecy that it was in a river Frake would get his death. So he went and broke a branch off the tree and brought it back over the water, and it is beautiful. He looked over the black water, his body without fault, and his face was so nice, and his eyes were very gray. And the branch with red berries between the throat and white face. And then he threw the branch to them out of the water. It is ripe and beautiful, uh, said Ilo. Bring us more of them. So he went off again to the tree, and the water worm guarded the, guarding the tree caught a hold of him. Let me have a sword, it called out, but he called out, but there was not a man on the land that would dare give it to him through fear of Ilo and of Maeve. But Fendibear made a leap to go into the water with a gold knife she had in her hand, but Ilo threw a sharp-pointed spear from above, threw her plaited hair that held her. But she threw the knife to Frake, and he cut off the head of the monster and brought it back with him to land, but he himself had got a deep wound. Then Ilo and Maeve went back to the house. It is a great deed we have done, said Maeve. It is a pity indeed that we what we have done to the man, said Ilo, and let a healing bath be made for him now, he said, of the marrow of pigs and of a heifer. Freck was put in the bath then, and pleasant music was played by the trumpeters, and a bed was made for him. Then a sorrowful crying was heard on Kruken, and they saw three times fifty women with purple gowns, with green headdresses, and pins of silver on their wrists. And a messenger went, and I asked them who it was they were crying for. For Frick, son of Ida, they said, boy darling of the king of Sheed of Ireland. Then Freik heard their crying, and he said, Lift me out of this, for that is the cry of my mother and of the women of Bonn. So they lifted him out, and the women came around him and brought him away to the hill of Kruiken. And the next day he came out, and uh, whole and sound, and fifty women with him, and they with the appearance of the women of the Sheed. And at the door of the dun they left him, and they gave out their cry again, so that all people that heard it could not but feel sorrowful. It is from this the musicians of Ireland learned the sorrowful cry of the women of the Sheed. But he went in, when he went to the house, the whole household rose up before him and bade him welcome, as if it was from another world he was come. And there was shame and repentance on Ilel and Maeve for trying to harm him, and peace was made, and he went away to his own place. And it was after that he came to help Ilel and Maeve, and that he got his death in a river, as was foretold, at the beginning of the war for the brown bull of Kualim. And one time the hill was robbed by the men of Kruikin, and this is the way it happened. One night at Samhain, Alil and Maeve were in Kruikin with their whole household, and the food was being made ready. Two prisoners had been hanged by them the day before, and Alil said, Whoever will put a gad around the foot of the two men on the gallows will get a prize from me. It was a very dark night, and bad things would always appear on that night of Samhain, and every man that went out to try and come back very quickly into the house. I will go if I get a prize, said Nera then. I will give you this gold-hilted sword, said Idle. So Nera went out, and he put a gad round the foot of one of the men that had been hanged. Then the man spoke to him. It is good courage you have, he said, and bring me with you where I can get a drink, for I was very thirsty when I was hanged. So Nera brought him where he could get a drink, and then he put him on the gallows again and went back to Kruken. But what he saw was the whole of the palace as if it was on fire before him, and the heads of the people of it lying on the ground. 
And then he thought he saw an army going into the hill of Kruiken, and he followed after the army. There is a man on our track, the last man said. The track is the heavier, said the next next to him. And each said that word to the other from the last to the first. Then they went into the hill of Kruiken, and they said to their king, What shall be done to the man that has come in? Let him come in here, and I will speak with him, said the king. So Nera came, and the king asked him who it was had brought him in. I came in with your army, said Nera. Go to that house beyond, said the king. There is a woman there will make you welcome. Tell her it is I myself sent you to her, and come every day, he said, to this house with a load of firing. So Nera went where he was told, and the woman said, A welcome before you. It is the king sent you. So he stopped there and took the woman for his wife. And every day for three days he brought a load of firing to the king's house, and on each day he saw a blind man and a lame man on his back coming out of the house before him. They would go on till they were at the brink of a well before the hill. Is it there, the blind man would say? It is indeed, the lame man would say. Let us go away, the lame man would say then. And at the end of three days, as he thought, Nera asked the woman about this. Why do the blind man and the lame man go to every day to the well, he said. They go to know, is the crown safe that it is in the well? It is the crown's, It is there the, crown, the king's crown is kept. Why do these two go, said Nera. It is easy to tell that, she said. They are trusted by the king to visit the crown, and one of them was blinded by him, and the other was lamed. And another thing, she said, go now and give a warning to your people to mind themselves next Samhain night, unless they will come to attack the hill, for it is only at Samhain, she said, the army of the Sheed can go out, for it is at that time all the hills of the Sheed of Ireland are opened. But if they will come, I promise them this, the crown of Brian to be carried off by Idol and by Maeve. How can I give them that message, said Nero, when I saw the whole dun of Crookin burned and destroyed, and all the people destroyed with it? You did not see that indeed, she said. It was the host of the Sheed came and put that appearance before your eyes. And go back to them now, she said, and you will find them sitting round the same great pot, and the meat has not yet been taken off the fire. How will it be, how will it be believed that I've gone into the hill, said Nero? Bring flowers of the summer with you, said the woman. So he brought wild garlic with him and primroses and golden fern. So he went back to the palace, and he found his people round the same great pot, and he told them all that had happened to him. And the sword was given to him, and he stopped with his people to the end of a year. At the end of the year, Ilul said to Nera, We are going now against the hill of the Sheed, and let you go back, he said, if you, are, if you have anything to bring out of it. So he went back to see the woman, and she bade him welcome. Go now, she said, and bring in a load of firing to the king, for I went in myself every day for the last year with the load on my back, and I said there was a sickness on you. So he did that. Then the men of Connaught and the black host of the exiles of Ulster went into the hill and robbed it and brought away the crown of Brian, son of Smetra, that was made by the smith of Angus, son of Umor, and that was kept in the well at Kruokin to save it from the Morigu. And Nero was left with his people in the hill, and he has not come out till now, and he will not come out till the end of life and time. Now one time the Morigu brought away a cow from the hill of Kruokin to the brown bull of Kulain, and after she brought it back again his calf was born. And one day it went out of the hill, and it bellowed three times. At that time Ilo and Fergus were playing drafts, for it was after Fergus had come as an exile from Ulster, because of the death of the sons of Usnach. And they heard the bellowing of the bull-calf in the plain. Then Fergus said, I do not like the sound of the calf bellowing. There will be calves without cows, he said, when the king goes on his march. 
But now Ilo's bull, Finbanach, the white-horned, met the calf in the plain of Kruikan, and they fought together, and the calf was beaten, and it bellowed. What did the calf bellow, Maeve asked her cowherd, Bligel? I know that, my master Fergus, said Bricriu. It is the song that you were singing a while ago. On that, Fergus turned and struck with his fist at his head, so that the five men of the chessmen that were in his hand went into Bricriu's head, and it was a lasting hurt to him. Tell me now, Bligel. Why did the calf bellow, said Maeve? It is indeed, said Weigel, that if its father, the brown bull of Kuline, would come to fight with the white-horned, he would not be seen any more in eye. He would be beaten through the whole plain of eye on every side. And it is what Maeve said. I swear by the gods, my people swear by. I will not lay down on feathers or drink red or white ale till I see those two bulls fighting before my face. And that is an old Irish Halloween tale. Nice. Thank you, Joe. Yep. Didn't know where that was going until I got to the end. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, though, it's, it's, a, it's a nice change of pace from, uh, like, you know, the norm. I like, yeah. I liked it. I just uh, I realized something as I was um, <clears throat> sitting here enjoying uh, your lovely tale. Uh, this is episode 50. I wondered. <laughs> I was sitting there like, I, you know, I, I'm Snapchatting myself because, you know, I love myself and shit. And uh, <clears throat> I wanted to put something about like, recording the show and stuff. And then when I looked up, I'm like, yeah, this is episode 50. Wow. We are halfway to 100. Yep. We're only two away from the end of the season. I know, right? So, God, season's coming up soon. It's awesome. It's 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 got such an awesome thing. It's just an awesome feeling. Like, you know, we actually fucking hit fifty tonight on this show. On this freaky yeah. show. Uh Joey, once again, what was the name of that uh that story? Kruakin. Kruakin. And who was the author of that? Um it's uh, no one knows. Um it was probably written in the eleventh century. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice. I liked it. Yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. it. Like, like at first I wasn't too sure about it, but then like as you kept going, I, th- I think I think it's you that made it work. Oh, well, thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> so, yeah, it felt oddly biblical. Like there was a lot of you know, this person begat that person, and but and it was interesting. So, and for those listening at home, uh, Samhain is the ancient Irish word for Halloween. Yeah. So I, I you almost lost me at the very beginning. We started listing off the people. Like where all the names kinda of sound the same, you just changed one syllable. Right? It was like it was like you're naming off a bunch of fucked up dwarves. Yeah. Well, you know, apparently that person in the tale was a lot like George Foreman. You know, they <laughs> named all their kids Maine, just like George Foreman named all his boys George and all his girls Georgette. That's that's absolutely fucking amazing. Speaking of amazing, Joe. Yes. What you uh, what you freaky about this week? Um, I am freaking about. Um, sorry, I got to think about it here. <laughs> I uh, probably uh, I have two options that I'm thinking about. Um, one, I'm reading this absolutely phenomenal history um, of of America called White Trash. Um, 
real provocative name, and I think that's a shame because I think it's going to make a lot of people not want to read it. Mm-hmm. But it's a really interesting history of class in America. Um, and I'm about finished with that book, and it's been really, really good and fascinating. Um, and then the other thing is uh, we're doing a Bible study that I'm kind of leading, and the way it's working is we're not doing we're not reading a, a version of the New Testament where uh, they have chapters and verses, so it reads more like a story. Mm-hmm. And so we had to have Luke finished for today, the Gospel of Luke. And um, it's an entirely different way of reading the text, and I'm really excited about it. So probably those are the two things I'm, I'm freaking on this week. If you don't mind me getting all academic. <laughs> well, yeah, man, that's what you love to do. That's true. How about you, Colin? Me? I'm freaking out that I have vacation for another week. Yeah. How was uh, Phantasma? Phantasm? Phantasm. Um, that was it, last Friday, right? Yes, that was actually last Friday. It was really good. Um, we watched the original on theater. It originally came out in 1979, and they remastered it for 4K and the big screen. So they played that, which was great. Brought back a lot of uh, memories from watching that when I was a kid. And uh, then after that, they they also played uh, um, a little uh, beginning piece before the movie Mm -hmm. uh, about... uh, Two of the characters actually played a song at a convention here in Chicago uh, two years ago from the movie. So it was basically, like I said, the two characters from the movie were actually at this convention and they played that song. It was really cool. Audio was a little bad, but (laughs) um, yeah, it was great. had a lot of fun. So... Fantastic. I'm glad. Yeah. How about you, Travis? Well, uh, Colin's going to be gone for the whole week, so I, I'm uh, freaking on the fact that I get to walk around naked again without some ugly my goodies. <laughs> but, baby, I love ugly now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm you kidding. <laughs> um, I actually started watching uh, this uh, TV show on Netflix called Shameless. Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? It honestly is the dumbest fucking thing I saw for the first three episodes. Uh After that, it is the second dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Why do you keep watching it if you don't like it? it, I'm not saying saying I don't like it. I'm just saying that it is so... The the best way I describe it to people when they ask me how I like it, it's literally orange is new black. Outside of prison, <laughs> That's awesome. like I, I shit you not, it, it's a, it's a good show, but it's such a dumb fucking show because literally for the first three episodes, everybody's just fucking each other. All it is is nudity and people just going at it. It is, it's, wow. it baffles me. It baffles me, but at the same time, it, it, it hurts to know that there are actually families like that, right? You know, like, you know, like, I, Joey, I don't know if you watched any of it. Uh, uh, I've seen, like, part of, like, season six. 
Okay. Well, I mean, like, I mean, you got, because you got this family, this this family of, uh, I think it's like five children. It could be six children. I can't remember. Uh, one, two, three, five children. And, like, you know, they're, they're a strange drunken dad's never around. So, you know, they're, they're all working together to pay for shit, stealing shit to eat and stuff like that. And, I mean, it sucks because, I mean, like, that's real life. And not only that, it's fucking Chicago. It's right. based in Chicago. And it's just like, I mean, it makes absolute sense. So. Yeah, that's the but, worst part about it. Is it's like, oh man, I know people like that. Yeah, so I mean, like I, uh, I'm gonna finish up uh, the last episode of season one, and then I'm gonna move into season two. So it's, I mean, I, I recommend people watch it because I mean, if you like the Orange Is the New Black, it's basically like that, but with less lesbians. <laughs> I mean, there's still lesbians, but there's just less of them. Right, there's more straight people. Yeah, and, I mean, it has some, like, minor corruptions with cops in it, too, which, I mean, like, again, I'm only in the first season, so, you know, it's not major corruption, but, I mean, you know, you get people who take their personal lives way too far into their professional lives, and, you know, there are people, it's it's goofy, but it's good at the same fucking time. I mean, I can't can't badmouth too much about it because it is a good show. I mean, shit, it's still going, so obviously people are loving it, Uh, but it's, I'm going to watch. Watch that over the weekend. Uh, I'll probably, uh, I, I got phones. I'm dispatching until the middle of the week. That's in the middle of the week. You know, I don't got them anymore. I'll probably, you know, jump on the rider and mow the yard. Um, I don't know. You know, just probably just relax, enjoy myself. Maybe I'll do some yard work and stuff like that, you know. I'll probably play, play with like, yourself in front of the window. I, I, I mean, I do that now. I mean, I can, <laughs> I don't got to fucking freak about it. <laughs> But yeah, I'll be I'll be watching Shameless. I've been I just been on Netflix kick. Like I mean, over the weekend when I had phones and shit like that. Uh Friday night I didn't go to bed until I think like four in the morning. <laughs> I think because... I saw your snap about that. <clears throat> yeah, well it's just like uh because like, you know, the ranch came out and I watched the the ten episodes of the ranch, which I recommend watching the ranch. You know, it's absolutely amazing. Uh I watched that. I watched um I watched some more Futurama, I watched uh I watched Shameless. I watched a couple movies off of it. Uh, thanks to uh, a lot of my friends on uh, Facebook who gave me some recommendations. Uh, GCR from Geek Ants Live, he recommended I watch uh, Salem, uh, Pennywise, and I think there was another one. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, suspect or a usual suspect, something like that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm going so to look into those. Uh, a lot of people recommended Shameless. Um, and then everyone else just recommended shit that I either watched already or i have no interest in watching anymore uh so yeah i'm just gonna go netflix it up i mean i don't know maybe maybe i'll invite some people over you know hang out or some shit i doubt it but you know know, i got a couch and i enjoy me sitting in it (laughs) hey joey yeah Obviously, on this freaking show, you catch you catch Joe, and of course, through the month of October, you catch the freak Joe here on this freaky show. But when he's uh, when he's not spending his time here with us, where uh, where can people find you? When I'm not over here on this freaking show or this freaky show, you can find me over the Geekcast Live podcast at geekcastlivepodcast.com/podcast. Or if you hate that horribly long URL, just go to gcl.ninja. You can also find me on Facebook, iTunes, Twitter. Then some other places by searching Geekcast Live. 
Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, like I mentioned, 49 episodes before this one. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram just by searching this freaking show. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. We can hear all our episodes, all 49, including this one, which is now 50 on all of them just by searching this freaking show. Go to our website, thisfreakingshow.com. It has a link to Podbean and Stitcher right there on the front page. If you go to the contact us section, you can email us. Give us a story. You know, if you want to be part of us, you want to get involved or anything, let us know. We'll bring you on the show if you have something interesting to talk about. I mean, actually be interesting. Don't don't fucking waste my time. I mean, this is bullshit. I'm like, can't waste my time. I don't give a shit. I love talking to you guys. Use the hashtag FreakySayin16 on Twitter to contact us. Talk about Halloween, what you love about it, what you hate about it, the costumes you wear, the candy you enjoy, getting the parties you go to, something goofy, something awesome. I don't give a shit. As always, I am Travis D. I'm Aquacon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of this freaky show. I'm out. <laughs>